It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined for a special live playoff edition by Ryan Russoil. Here it is. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions, always drive safely. Welcome. It is the Ringer NFL show. We are live post-game at the three wildcard games, so it's our super wildcard weekend breakdown. I am Ryan Rosillo with Kevin Clark. This is part one. Part two will be tomorrow, where Kevin and Nora are going to wrap up all of those games as well. So, we have about 30 minutes or so. We're going to run through all these games. We just saw Washington come back against Tampa, but lose. Obviously, it wasn't a comeback to win, but try a comeback against them. We'll get to that game a little bit later. As you know, you just finished up watching that one. So, Kevin, I want to start with the Bills win against yeah. the Colts, the final 27-24. The Colts looked like they were the better team for the first half. Time of possession, they doubled them up. They had more yards, but everything really changed once their fourth down didn't work out and the Bills go 90-plus yards for a touchdown. The start of four straight scoring possessions for them. So we're left here looking at the Bills, who we thought were the better team advancing, but also realizing the Colts have to be sick to their stomachs, thinking they threw one away. The Colts blew this game, but oddly, oddly, there's some stuff to like about it from the Bills' perspective. So I was spent this week wondering whether or not we were going to look back at the last couple of weeks and maybe we we were underrating the Bills a little bit. Maybe they were going to be a buzzsaw. No one had scored as many points against number one defense as the Bills did last week against Miami. Uh, they had won double-digit games uh, for the past six weeks. No, no team has done that in the last six years coming into the playoffs. And I was wondering, hey, were they just going to wreck dudes? And the answer is no. They were not the perfect team. Uh, Indianapolis really probably, again, should have won this game. But when I think about how Josh Allen performed today and going 96 yards to swing that right at the end of the half in a minute, in one minute and a half uh, at the end of the half, that that was an amazing swing. And they can score points quickly. And I think what's happening now and what they proved is they can kind of do a low-grade version of what the Chiefs do, which is they can A, pounce on mistakes, which obviously the Chiefs have done for, for two years now, um, three years now. Uh, but they can also just make it so the only thing that matters is the kill shot. And you saw that with the digs play. Um, you saw that with Josh Allen being, I think, four or five for 129 yards on deep shots. And when you think about just how much he's improved from this round last year, where, I mean, everything that was good, he undid with with an unbelievably wild play that, that you know, we'd never seen before. And, you know, my, my thing on Allen is that if you freeze any play at any point, you have no idea how the play would end, right? Like, if you just took a screen grab of an Allen play and said, how does this end? You would never know. But that used to be good and bad. Now it's only good. Like, that touchdown, that three-yard touchdown, the first one of the game, was just the, the least visually appe- appealing, you know, Tebow jump pass I've ever seen. 
Um, the the pump fake on the corner blitz, uh, where he basically just ran around a blitz and, and found a guy. I mean, what he does now is he plays mistake-free football, and he has these kill shots that overcome any negative plays that the Bills have. Josh Allen's one of the best developmental products at the position we've ever seen. I'm serious, yeah. because the first two yes. years, I mean, it did, look, we go back to Wyoming. Somebody was showing his high school stats the other day. You know, the, the consistent about Josh Allen, he didn't complete enough passes. We're talking low 50s. Now, granted, we should probably look back and realize the rest of that Wyoming team. There were times where they had no chance against, I think they played Oregon, they played Iowa in some of those games. Yeah. And I remember, like, he had awful stats against Iowa, and he was making plays that didn't work out where I was like, man, this is really impressive. But the first two years in Buffalo, I really felt like at the end, especially with the playoff, loss even though he had that great Cowboys game he had a close game against a winger I felt like the reaction after the fact was hey Buffalo's right there and I'm going like what are you guys yeah. watching like this guy looks like he might be a backup in the league in a couple of years and then we have the start to the season that's MVP yeah. caliber and then they take it to another level in the second half of the season this was the best scoring offense in the NFL from the midpoint on and he has done two things that are incredible this year. His jump in completion percentage in yeah. two years is over 16%. It's the best in NFL history. And he was the number one pocket passer in the NFL from a completion standpoint, which seems impossible because what do we know about the big athletic guys that actually trust themselves to make plays, especially when they're younger, they're not reading the defense, they're just not used to it, it's freaking them out. I'm going to get out there and go ahead and run. I thought he had a few like Elway playoff runs today yes. where it was he was making a point that I'm not going to start sliding on you guys. There's actually that great collision he would Darius Leonard to make a great tackle on him but I can't believe that after usually we don't see this we don't see no. someone play like he did for two years and now be someone where I go he's gonna he's gonna challenge to be a top five player at this position for the next decade so you're right they can screw up they're not even as good this year defensively as they were last year um, they're up at the half and it doesn't even make any sense but right. that drive that 96 yard drive after the fake or excuse me the failed fourth down by the Colts was was really just a, a sign of who he is. And then he had another 12 yeah. straight completion stretch in the second half. So uh, I think you're right about that, that even if there are things about the Bills that you don't like, we can get into some of those stats, he's that good. He can actually carry him, carry you, and that's what you need more than anything. And I'd also say his efficiency in the red zone is unbelievable. No one is as efficient this year and mistake-free in the red zone as Josh Allen. And I think that puts pressure on a team like the Colts. There's a reason. Listen, analytically, all that stuff, the things I subscribe to, there were reasons you want to score a touchdown from the one or go for two or whatever. But the pressure he puts on defenses by by scoring touchdowns, it, that cannot be understated. Um, and I think coaches understand that part. You know, Graham Barfield had the stat earlier today that he's the first quarterback ever to run for 50 yards, throw for 300, and complete 70% of his passes in a playoff game. No one's ever done that before. And so I think we are seeing a special development. Um, I agree with you. He's in the conversation. He's going to be in the conversation for top five quarterback. He's probably in it currently. Um, but again, we had this discussion in the summer. And one of the things I said was just from a, a improvement curve standpoint, no one gets that much better from year two to year three except Josh Allen. And I think that that's it's, it's a humbling experience for, for all of us, for certainly me uh, and for most of the NFL, because guys in the NFL did not see this coming. And now they do. OK, let's go back to that fourth down because it was third and yeah. goal at the Buffalo one. Yes. The Colts try to run it to the left. It gets blown up immediately. So it Terrible. was not, a, we were talking about it. I mean, you want to try to set the edge. There was no edge. The edge was already gone. It was blown up. Yeah. They lose a couple yards, which then maybe factors into what they're trying to do on fourth down. Uh, at that point, and I have it here when they went for it on fourth, if they got the touchdown or if they failed as they did, 
Buffalo is going to get the ball back with 146. I know everybody loves going forward and fourth down. I know everybody loves two-point conversions. If you spend any time on NFL social media, you understand these things. But my biggest issue with going forward and fourth down on that spot is that normally, okay, if I'm going for it here and I and I get stuffed, at least I know you're starting at the one or the two, in this case, the three-yard line. And I'm guaranteed to get, well, not guaranteed, but I'm very likely to get terrific field position after this, which is actually the Colts had great field position. The Bills didn't. And then the Bills do this absurd 96-yard TD drive. So did you – because I did – I did an imag- – I, I make sure I do this. I'll say out loud to myself, do you like this? And I go, I don't – right now, I don't like this. And, you know, I don't have to tweet it out to have the receipts for it. I didn't like it at the time. It's not necessarily why they lost because Allen just turned into Superman out there. But take us through – because you've written about this, the understanding yeah. of not only what the math is, but I think sometimes the math can be a little dismissive of game situation. Sure. And I think there's just a psychic toll of going into the half being up and just saying, okay, we've done something. Let's build on this. And obviously you don't know, you know, as I said, the efficiency that Josh Allen plays with, you know, he's going to do something. You didn't know he's going to go 96 yards. So let's not pretend like, like they saw this coming, but I think that sometimes, sometimes we do a bad job of separating the decision to go for it with the actual play call. And I think we saw some of that today where I didn't necessarily mind going for it. In fact, I, I think they should go for, I think teams should go for two all the time. Not all the time, but, you know, relatively speaking. Um, I think that teams at fourth and goal should, should from the one, should try to go for it uh, as much as possible. But I think that, you know, getting blown up at the line, you know, if you, if you know that might happen, don't do it. Um, I know that sounds like Monday, Monday morning quarterback, but you got to know your team. I think that, you know, one of the, the, one of the fourth downs, um, Phillip Rivers just kind of, you know, threw it in the back of the end zone, fingertips catched, got dropped. Um, so I think that the idea and sort of the goal behind going forward on fourth down, I don't hate it. Uh, I do hate some of the execution, some of the play calls. And, and I think that there's there's so many ways the Colts could have won this game. I mean, Muhammad had the the fumble go between his legs. Um, obviously, the missed field goal um, earlier in the second half put, ended up playing a huge role in it. Uh, but I don't think you, you can necessarily uh, kill the Colts for going for it. But there's just some nuance within that that maybe you're a little more concerned by. Yeah, it's not a it's not a kill. It's not like, oh, my, I can't believe what you're doing. I remember. And, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to be in a figure. It's not like I have everybody's fourth down resume in front of me. But Lovey Smith always felt like with the Bears, he would go for it on fourth and goal at the one with 12 seconds left in the half. And you go, OK, but yeah. like if this doesn't work, the other team is taking a knee and you're not getting it punted to you and you're catching it at midfield. Right. Like, why? Why are you just take the three? Take the th- like taking the three is so uncool now that I got to admit I'm zagging at times going, hey, are you good in short yard situation? Do you have a matchup right. that you like? Or do you have a tight end that's going to get off the line of scrimmage with a free release? Do you actually like the matchup that's in front of you? You know, so the obsession that, I'm not saying everyone is arguing that every fourth down attempt, but that's not really what this is. It's about Allen, but it's also about a defense that are you concerned with? Because this Bills defense, depending on the weighted numbers, it definitely finished stronger than where the year averages are. But I almost get a sense from you, Kevin, that you don't even care. Like you're you're approaching Chiefs territory here with Buffalo. I'm approaching it. I still think that the Chiefs are going to win the AFC. And and I think that everything that the Bills do from what I'm describing as far as erasing mistakes and putting pressure on defense and, and nothing mattering except the quarterback doing, delivering the kill shot, I think the Chiefs still do everything in that department a little bit better. Uh, I was a little bit concerned by the Bills defense today. Um, you know, having Jack Doyle have 70 yards and eating him, eating him up over the middle of the field concerned me a little bit. I looked up the numbers. The Bills have surrendered the, the second most yards to tight ends 
points um, in the NFL this year and the eighth most fantasy points, which is a snapshot of the production going against Travis Kelsey. That might be a problem if they meet in the AFC championship game. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Taylor having a nice game. Uh, you know, I think we probably saw that coming from, from how we viewed the second half of the season. Uh, but, uh, again, I think that you, I think an imperfect game was maybe a necessary step towards a longer playoff run here for Buffalo because they were, they're not the buzzsaw that I thought maybe they could be, but maybe that's okay. Maybe you learn about another identity of this Bills team today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable, and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Okay, the second game, L.A. goes into Seattle, wins 30-20. to 20. The score, it wasn't that close. Uh, this is a bad loss for Seattle, any way you want to look at it. A lot of factors. First off, though, Seattle ends a 10-game playoff streak of wins at home, so that's over. And considering that uh, Wolford was in the backup yeah. because Goff has this thumb injury post-surgery, uh, a really great note by Troy and Joe that they, when they had talked to the coaching staff, they said, you know, golf will be out there throwing. A few of them will look pretty good. Then every th third or fourth throw, you're like, what happened? So they yeah. clearly weren't comfortable with him physically. He comes in because Wolford gets hit on an Adams play where he ends up being out of the game in the second series. So the fact that Seattle is playing hurt golf, 
who still didn't have great numbers, and it's not even a knock on him, but that LA's defense dominated this game, that Seattle started 0 of 8 on third down. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that we can get into here, but if you're saying on paper, hey, here's the matchup, and this is the quarterback situation that you're going to be facing, and yes, I realize it's not the 12th man, but you're still going to be home, and you don't even look like you have a chance in this game, and then Donald is out uh, in the third quarter where there's still going to be a few possessions left, this is this is the worst loss easily of of the first day. Congratulations to the Seahawks for being so bad on offense that when Aaron Donald went out, I briefly thought there may have been an Aaron Donald Ewing theory just because of how inefficient they were and how it was they they were they were losing yardage. I mean, it was unbelievable. This is an organizational failure for Seattle. Um, Jalen Ramsey played amazing today. You look at the next gen stats, all that stuff. He is a, as good a, a, as a cornerback can be. Uh, they traded two first round picks for him. Jamal Adams was also a two first-round picks guy for Seattle. Uh, Jamal Adams played really badly today. At one point, the Rams had 79 passing yards. 78 of them were surrendered when Jamal Adams was the nearest defender, according to next-gen stats. Was he hurt, he, though? I mean, he was definitely Yes. He, he has a torn he has a uh, torn labrum uh, in his – he probably needs surgery at some point, and that got worse as the game the game went on. Um, and, and obviously he was hurting out there. You, I think you could see it. Yeah, boy, yeah. Boy, it took 13 minutes in. Kev, that's, that's very harsh. You're usually not that harsh. Your standards are – you're nicer normally. You're like, I don't get Torm Labrum. Like, get out no, there. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying that there's he's not been the player that they thought he was going to be all season. Um, and we saw a little bit of it in the second half um, where we thought that maybe there'd be some, uh, there was some improvement, but it just never got there. He never got fully healthy, but it's just it's just sort of emblematic of the fact that he never, he never turned that corner. And so Russell Wilson completed less than half of his passes against. He's 11 uh, of 27. As, That's like, yes, who is that? Again, Against a standard rush, according to ESPN, Flip he Wilson? completed 44% of his passes. Um, this was just really, this was just, I was thinking about, it was one of those games, Ryan, where I kept thinking in the second half, well, they need to get the ball back and they can do this and this and this. And then at some point in the fourth quarter, I was like, they can get the ball back a million times. This isn't going to work. I mean, obviously there was some backbreaking plays. The false start was a huge problem. Obviously the fumbled punt was, was basically the, the end of things. But there were, for me, I was just looking at this off and saying, it doesn't matter how many times they get the ball back. This is just not happening for them. Um, on defense, Cam Akers was setting rookie records. I think that it was the best playoff debut since Billy Cannon. That's yeah, Billy good. Cannon. Billy yeah. Cannon, a little Billy Cannon talk. Um, so you know they had the the screen interception, um, which never happens. I was thinking, I was thinking about just the shortest interceptions. I was thinking about Marcel Darius's shovel pass pick six against uh, against Al, um, Texas in the championship game, but there there aren't that many short pick sixes. <laughs> wow, anyway, that wasn't was a, good. That was. Yeah, I always thought uh, Marceau was going to be a little better as a, as an NFL player. Didn't quite wasn't wasn't consistent enough. I know you came here for breakdowns, and draft picks from ten years ago. Okay, so Seattle. I don't know that this is a huge surprise. Look, eleven for twenty seven for Russell Wilson in a playoff game is surprising. Um, the hey, Russell Wilson has a seventeen QBR after playoff game. What do we do now? Sometimes things happen, and then it actually isn't a thing. And for me, this is mm -hmm. not a thing. But the offense declining is a thing because if you look at different metrics you know there's some overall ones where seattle finishes better we actually realized the defense shored up a little because it was so terrible in the beginning of the year but if you go with yeah. the expected points added number which i really like it kind of neutralizes everything this seattle defense was too completely excuse me the seattle offense too completely 
different teams. Weeks one through nine, Seattle finishes fourth in that category. Weeks 10 through 17, 16th. But they go 12 and four. They win six of the last seven. They're going to be at home. You're thinking, okay, this is going to be good. But the biggest issue, even though they had that deep shot to Metcalf, was that Russell Wilson was one of the best deep shot guys to somebody that was yeah. at the bottom of the pack. So this offense completely lost the ability to challenge people down the field. And if you're the Rams and you're getting there with four all day long, which is a huge part of this, we know this. If you can get there with four, you have a massive advantage. And then you have Jalen on the back end. So I look at a Rams team scoring score, uh, scoring 30. I still can't believe it. But um, we knew they were the number one defense coming in by a lot of different standards. Is it enough of a defense despite this ridiculous quarterback situation? Because I don't know if Goff is going to look better in a week where you actually think this can carry a team out of the NFC. I think their defense gives them the ability, the ability to beat anybody. Um, I don't think they can beat the Packers, but if you think about what that matchup is, that's Devontae Adams against Jalen Ramsey on the outside, which I, just from a football dork standpoint, I'd love to see. But then, you know, you have Aaron Donald, as long as he's healthy, and that, that's a huge question mark at this point after what we saw today. But if he's healthy, he can, he can blow up plays up the middle of the field. Uh, that D-line is nasty. Uh, Darius Williams can do something on the other side there. I think that there's enough pieces to make it very, very close. I think that the quarterback, there's you just have to score points against Green Bay. And I don't know if they're going to be able to just, this is going to be a 30-point team all the time. And I understand the pick six and all that stuff, um, but I don't think that's going to happen against Rodgers. I think Seattle's in a bad place, man. I mean, like Tyler Lockett after the game was basically saying we were passing too much. But the, the, the let Russ cook thing, has now cycled to the point that now Tyler Lockett's being like, we need we need to run the ball, we need to pound the rock. Like this could be a weird offseason for them. And I don't think the Packers are in that kind of place where they're they're ready to fold exactly. Seattle ran 57 plays today. 57 plays. And think about this. Like they're passing too much. They only threw it 27 times. And I mean Carson had a decent, you know, he was he was he was efficient in his 16 carries, but um, you know, a lot of their yardage totals, if you look at it and say, oh, they ran for 136, they need to run the football a little bit more. Well, they're down. When you're down, it doesn't work. The pick six was an incredible read. And I don't know if it was because Metcalf was upset on the sideline and then they come right back out. And Aikman made a great point. He goes, you know, that's that's one of those throws. All right, never mind. Um, where you start to think, hey, I'm just going to get it to my guy. And you never expect that yeah. ball to be picked off. But he read the inside block perfectly, Williams did, jumps it. Nobody's going to catch him. So I don't I don't look at this as a play calling thing. I look at it as a 12 and 4 team that had all these aspirations. Adams is always going to talk. You always feel like you have a chance with, with Wilson. But even when Donald went out, I thought, oh, okay, wait, are they actually going to run the football and get back into this and win it this way? And it didn't even matter. And the depth with the Rams D line is a part of that too. And then watching the Donald thing play out, you're like, okay, he's down, he's back up. Oh, he's gone. All right, he's back. And like, oh, he's gone again. And you're right, because if he's not there, then you know, I don't know what I would pick him next week anyway, but with no Donald, I, there's there's no way. I mean, the fact that Cooper Cup and, and Aaron Donald have injury that's the other one go, go, going Abs into next right. week is so massive. And this might yeah. be a, hey, feel good about yourself going into the offseason, Sean McVay. You're a really good coach. Everybody kind of forgot about you. Congratulations. It might be that kind of consolation prize, and they might get just absolutely run out of Lambeau next week. I mean, Goff was 9-19, 155. Like, 155 seems high. And he had a throw. I put it down here in the third quarter. It was first and 15 after a penalty. And he dropped back, clean pocket, good release. It was a throw over the middle. And it was just out of his hand, and it was wrong. So I, I can't imagine. I didn't know 
specifically. I thought he looked bad at the end of the regular season, and some of that wasn't the injury. Then it was the injury. But that throw alone, just watching that one specific throw, I'm like, if he's not healthier, I, I mean, I can't believe they're going to pull this game out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – this this might be Sean McVay's kind of magnum opus. If if he gives – even if he gives Green Bay a run, even if it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, we have to talk about this as one of his best coaching performances because we saw that the amazing thing about McVay is how often it, it becomes obvious how good of a coach he was. He takes over for Jeff Fisher and he immediately improves Jared Goff from one of the worst rookie passers in history to one of the most efficient second-year guys ever. And now we're seeing Jared Goff with a with a bum thumb beating Seattle, putting up 30 points, even though some of that was the defense. And now he goes and, and plays Aaron Rodgers. And if they play this tough, uh, I, I, I'm not going to have a, a big enough vocabulary to describe how good of a coaching job it is. Yeah, and you're right, though. As you said at the beginning, Cam Akers, he has clearly taken hold of this uh, running game here. 20 carries, 131, and a touchdown. But you know what? Do not. Do not forget, though, even though the McVay thing helped with Goff's development, Fisher put a lot of those players, a lot of those pieces in place eventually once they got to the Super Bowl. Well, he literally so just, moved the team. He, he yeah. literally put them in place by moving them. They got a $7 million dollar bonus. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story? We had Adam yes. Schefter on, and I go, well, hey, why is he getting another $7 million for one year? And he goes, Ryan, they're moving the team across the country. Yeah. I was like, is he yeah. driving the Mayflower trucks? Like, I don't, I don't quite get that. And they're like, this is a challenging time. They're like, man, that pays good. All right, last game here. Yes. Tampa Bay and Washington, the goat versus the kid. I learned this today. Very insightful stuff from earlier on Fox Radio. But uh, a did you know that a newborn goat is called a kid? I don't think I knew that. I, I didn't know that either today. Who so was I, the you know, newborn goat that they were referring to? Joel Chase Josh Young Allen? was the kid. Oh. Yeah, what game? Were, were you still in the Bills game? We're doing no, I don't know. I did, I don't know why they were. They, I I didn't know why Fox Sports Chase Young was wanted discussing it. that. The kids oh, say they okay. want all that smoke. That's what he was saying. He wanted all that. And he was going up against the goat, uh, one of the many goats that we have. The goat, the goat name. <laughs> that's not, that, no, that's what I'm confused. I I've lost track of who the goat is. That's that's why. I was yeah, asking. it used to just be Muhammad Ali, and now there's just tears of goats all over the place. They're spawning. So Brady, real goat, I think is goat, least, goat inflation, I think, has been a problem over the last decade. Is what I'll say about that. Yeah, we're thin. Slicing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've we've established that part of it. Okay, this game, I'm going to admit something here. In the beginning, Taylor Heineke's out there. We know his story, Old Dominion. We actually had him on. I think he threw for like 700 yards in a game. We're like, what's going on? I think Van Pelt was using him on the college video game. He's like, I just want another title with Heineke. I'm like, that's awesome, man. Old Dominion football, it's back. The start of this game, we knew that Tampa and Bulls were going to send everybody, and that's exactly yeah. what was happening. And it actually didn't look great. But I'm giving Dungey credit. Dungey's like, I really like him. And I'm like, is he just saying this? Is he just being really positive? But Heineke actually gave him a shot. He did leave the game in the third quarter. But Brady goes for 381. He didn't complete yeah. a lot of his passes, but he made the most of it. So even though there was a late threat there with Washington scoring 13 points in the fourth quarter, it was all Tampa, kind of. But I don't know that anybody's starting their show on Monday going, Tampa's clearly the favorite now. That's not the, that's not the vibe that anybody's getting from this game. So... That was the funny thing to me from this takeaway. And there were a couple of people who were tweeting at me this game was boring or whatever. Tom Brady over the season has 1,233 deep passing yards. Okay. It's the most he's ever had. Uh, over the second half of the season, he's throwing deep. I think he has uh, the best deep grade uh, in or highest air yards down the field in, in the NFL. He's throwing it really quickly, too. He's getting it out. That's one of the things PFF's been talking about the last couple of weeks. He's playing exciting football, and it seems extremely boring and routine. 
And that's what's funny to me. Like, I'm watching him, and he's hitting whoever down the field, whether that's you know, Mike Evans had that over-the-top catch. Yeah, Brayton. How about Godwin? How crazy top. was Godwin was dropping Godwin four thing? passes? Yeah. yeah. While both yeah. Tariko and Dungey are like, yeah, look, it it. Well, we raised our eyebrows a bit when Brady goes, he's got the best hands of anyone I've ever played with. Drop. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not drops. saying that Brady was lying or that those guys were telling. It was great insight. It was a good story. Drop. <laughs> anyway, they won. But, but he had. But what I'm saying is, I don't understand why. Everything he's doing statistically seems so interesting. And when I watch it, I'm just like, oh, okay, they're fine. Like he they has should the best be- deep grade. It was in the in the last it's from not, weeks nine to seventeen, according to PFF, he has the highest air yards per attempt, and he's the third quickest to throw. This is from from George over at PFF via Phil Perry. So he's throwing down the field and he's getting it done. Most deep yardage he's ever had in his career. And listen, he struggled with it for large parts of the career. I don't think he actually has the best deep grade, but he has he has some of, some of the deep metrics say that he's 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 going he's going deep effectively. I guess you could say. And I think that there's something interesting. You know, I heard on the on a, one of the midweek shows. I think it was Sam Monson. He said that there's always been a huge adjustment to to Bruce Arians' offense because they're throwing downfield and because of the pressure that gets put on there. And there's always usually a lot of turnovers. Andrew Luck had a ton of turnovers the first year he was in there. Um, it, I think that, that Tom Brady's actually adjusted better than most people to Bruce Arians' offense. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that he's there, he's getting better every week, I think. And it's funny because I think the Saints, the second Saints game threw me off the scent a little bit because I was ready to do the whole narrative of, oh, the Bucs, they've clicked, here we go. And they didn't at that point. It might at some point be clicking. Um, it might in the next two weeks at some point. But again, everything he does seems like it should be exciting from a statistical standpoint. And it just seems seems very routine to me. Um, they should have. For me, this was strength on strength. I thought that it was going to be a really good uh, matchup for, for the protection scheme of Tampa Bay to go against that front seven. And I think they did a pretty good job of keeping Brady upright. He took some big hits, but it wasn't like he was under pressure all day. And the fact that the football team could compete without insane pressure on Brady is actually a little bit discouraging for Tampa Bay. I thought they were getting to him there a little bit, but with Brady, even when you get there, I mean, the the clinching throw in this game was the second and eight down the left sideline to Evans. It was an incredible throw. It's one of those throws you're like, oh, wait, that looked like good quarterbacks make that throw. And he was getting tackled as he was getting rid of the football, and he hits Evans, who ended up having a monster game, even though we thought we were going to lose him to injury. He goes six for 119. Uh, some of the other numbers here, Fournette, 93 yards on the ground, second most productive rushing game of the season for Fournette, which adds an entirely different uh, element to them with no Jones. And then Gronkowski, actually only one target was that throw to the back of the end zone where he didn't come down. He caught it, but he didn't catch it in bounds. No argument on that one. That was the only target. Brate was much more of a part of the the passing game here. But yeah, the overall numbers, you look at it and say, hey, was Brady great? Like, I think he had great throws and moments, but you're right. Like, we always were expecting Tampa to have this run. The primetime game theory is one of my favorites. When you are terrible as they have been multiple times in those big spots, you're like, wait, I'm supposed to like this team? And I think one of my favorite things that I came up with um, from the pro football focus guys is the variance stuff. It's like, okay, you might be a really good team, but what's the variance between your best defensive performance and your worst defensive performance? Tampa is 23rd in variance on defense, which makes sense. Sometimes it just doesn't look like it's working. Yeah. It looked like it was working in the first half, then Heineke got settled, got settled against the pressure. They started moving the football in this game, which isn't a great sign, considering yeah. the Washington quarterback situation. But then on the other side, the offensive variance uh, for Tampa 
um, it's you know it's 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 just as bad. They're they're in the bottom third of the league in some of this stuff. They they can be all over the place. So you know you could sit here and go, hey, win. It's in the playoffs. It was on the road. We'll figure this out. You still have Brady and all this stuff. But I guess we probably are a little too difficult where we want these teams that are supposed Super Bowl contenders to look clean for sixty minutes. That's just not what the sport is. Absolutely, and but and that's also from from the NFC perspective. That's also why I I like the Packers more than these other teams is because they have the fewest amount of questions. And I keep saying, as I just said, oh the the Bucks no off season activities, limited training camp, all of this stuff, no in season practice, no bonding. It's going to take Brady a while. Well, there's no evidence to me that in two weeks Brady will have bonded with his receivers enough and this team will have gelled enough to beat a Packers team that's had two years of this and had had their their um, you know a very productive season last year with Matt LaFleur. But if there were is any learning curve that happened last year, I think Aaron Rodgers beats this team um and, and whenever they happen to play. And I just think that there's I don't think this is the year for Tampa. I think this was a bad year to try something new. I think they can be one of the NFC's best teams, but I don't think they can be the NFC's best team. We're not being too negative about this, right? Playoff win. Because Washington came in. I mean, they were massive dogs in this, the Heineke part of it. I just yeah. want to make sure. I don't know. I feel like we're well, coming Well, okay, off a let me negative. ask you a question. So so it's funny because Marcus Spears said this and Chris Long backed him up. A mobile quarterback without a lot of tape, according to those guys, is one of the hardest things in football to defend. You don't know what's going on. And so I think maybe, maybe there's something there where there's an excuse built in, especially in the playoffs or not. There's not a whole lot of first-time quarterbacks who are mobile playing in the playoffs, um, essentially getting where, where there's just not a paper trail at all. Um, we also saw Montez play uh, a couple of plays, which would have been another quarterback without much of a paper trail. Um, and so I think that there's maybe some wiggle room there. But I think the only way I was coming out of this game saying, hey, here comes Tampa, as if this was an absolute efficient blowout, and it just wasn't that. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I think it's all fair. I, I, with some of these teams, I think all of us that talk about football for a living, we can sound a little critical, but it's a lot of times it's just based on the expectation. There's no expectation for Washington ever, and there's always an expectation for Tampa because we've seen the defense look great at times. We've seen the offense absolutely light up teams. I agree with you. Even depending on where Brady grades out, I think he's throwing the football as well as he has – in years that throw to Evans to the right yeah. corner in front of the pylon. That's a, that's a sick throw. Other guys get picked off on that throw and he's 43 throwing it over there and seeing it and torquing his body and making that play. I'll finish on this last question. Did Heineke make himself millions tonight as a backup? <laughs> so this is kind of the Matt Flynn thing, right? So Matt Flynn plays week 17 with Aaron Rodgers uh, out in 2011 Signs a big money deal, relatively speaking, for, for a one-game sample size with the Seahawks. Gets beat up by Russell Wilson. Becomes kind of a, a vibes guy for the next few years. Um, has, has a great life. Um, believe he's out of the NFL kind of cycled now. But uh, one time we talked, and I, I, I got the vibe that he, he, he enjoyed playing in the NFL uh, for, for the role he carved out. Anyway, um, yes, I believe he, he at least carved. I don't think he's going to get you know some starter position money or anything like that but i think washington might bring him back at a slightly elevated salary um he is a free agent i you know you're probably looking at at two three four million dollars depending on how washington views him. if washington thinks he's a starter that could go up i mean the template i always use for for bad starting contracts is that jacksonville gave nick Foles all that money bidding against no one else and someone said to the powers that be in jacksonville uh, they said, why did you give Nick Foles all that money when you were bidding against yourself? They said, well, it's a respect thing. He's the starting yeah. quarterback, and you you got to pay him or else guys in the locker room won't respect him. It's like, excuse me, what? So if Washington thinks he can be the starter, 
then all bets are off for how much money he can make. But I don't think that there's, I I don't I, I don't think there's there's going to be a massive market for him. I, I think you're looking at you know five million and under, but a hell of a lot more than he was supposed to make. For those that want to know, uh, this will be made into a podcast that's going to be live on the Ringer NFL Show podcast feed. And then a reminder that this, again, was part one. Part two, Kevin and Nora are going to go live, who normally host the podcast. They're going to go live right after that Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. So that's going to be coming out about 11, -ish, 11 o'clock or so Eastern time, 8 o'clock out here on the West Coast. So that is the plan. We're going to be live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So... For Kevin Clark, I am Brian Rosillo, and that's part one of our NFL Ringer Show Wild Card Post Game Live.